Hi, everybody. Welcome to 2ZQ Hot Takes, where we discuss issues both big and small. I am your host, the very handsome Tim Kirk, and today I'll be talking about the magical, mythical, historical, fabulous Chelsea. The first Google result for Chelsea is the Chelsea Football Club. Chelsea Football Club are an English professional football club based in Fulham, London. Founded in 1905, they compete in the Premier League, the top division of English football. Chelsea are among England's most successful clubs. They have been league champions six times and won over 30 competitive honors, including six European trophies. Their home ground is Stamford Bridge. Huh. Some people think of Chelsea Handler, the self-proclaimed comedian and political activist. Some people think of Chelsea Clinton. Chelsea Manning. Chelsea, that girl from work. Chelsea, that girl her friends took video of getting sick on her birthday after drinking too much. I think of Chelsea, New York. I used to think of Chelsea as that neighborhood between Penn Station and the village when I was younger and green. What did I know? Chelsea has a ton of culture, and of course, it is an essential component of the city's history as well as modern life for very many people, and not just the people who live here. If you have ever seen Law & Order, you've seen Chelsea. If you have ever seen Seinfeld, you've seen Chelsea. Chelsea is something else. It would be very difficult to imagine a place like Chelsea without it actually existing, because it really is incredible. From Wikipedia. Chelsea is a neighborhood on the west side of the borough of Manhattan in New York City. Yeah, it sure is. The district's boundaries, I live in a district, are roughly 14th Street to the south, the Hudson River and West Street to the west, 6th Avenue to the east, with its northern boundary variously described as near the upper 20s or 34th Street. Chelsea is named after the Royal Hospital Chelsea in London, England. Chelsea contains the Chelsea Historic District and its extension, which were designated by the New York City Landmarks Preservation Commission in 1970 and 1981, respectively. Now, now this is a bit confusing. It also says, Chelsea takes its name from the estate in Georgian-style house of retired British Major Thomas Clark, who obtained the property when he bought the farm, he bought the farm, of Jacob Somerendyke, on August 16, 1750, the land was bounded by what would become 21st and 24th Streets from the Hudson River to 8th Avenue. Clark chose the name Chelsea after a district in London, England. Clark passed the estate onto his daughter Charity, who, with her husband Benjamin Moore, I wonder if he's the paint guy, added land on the south of the estate, extending it to 19th Street. The house was the birthplace of their son, Clement Clark Moore, who in turn inherited the property. Moore is generally credited with writing A Visit from St. Nicholas and was the author of the first Greek and Hebrew lexicons printed in the United States. That credit has been in a good deal of contention lately.
1827, Moore gave the land of his apple orchard to the Episcopal Diocese of New York for the General Theological Seminary, which built its brownstone Gothic tree-shaded campus south of the manor house. Despite his objections to the commissioner's plan of 1811, which ran the new Ninth Avenue through the middle of his estate, Moore began the development of Chelsea with the help of James N. Wells, dividing it up into lots along Ninth Avenue and selling them to well-heeled New Yorkers. More with the Episcopalians already. Above 23rd Street, by the Hudson River, the neighborhood is post-industrial, featuring the elevated High Line viaduct, which follows the river all through Chelsea. The elevated rail line was the successor to the street-level freight line originally built through Chelsea in 1847, which was the cause of numerous fatal accidents. So it was elevated in the early 1930s by the New York Central Railroad. The area was known as Death Avenue, and there is now a well-regarded Greek restaurant named after the area and its history at 315 10th Avenue. The High Line fell out of use in the 1960s through 1980 and was originally slated to be torn down, but in the early 2000s, it was redesigned and converted into a highly used aerial greenway and rails-to-trails park. Ugh. West Chelsea refers to the western portion of Chelsea, previously known as Gasoline Alley. Hey, Gasoline Alley is Chelsea. If you know what Gasoline Alley is, you're old. Chelsea is intertwined with the DNA of contemporary gay culture. The West Village, Chelsea, and Hell's Kitchen provide a sort of historical and geographical continuum for a lot of gay New York City culture. But that is not to ignore the East Village and the very many gay landmarks and places of interest for gay history and culture there as well. For today, we concentrate on Chelsea. People of many different cultures live in Chelsea. Chelsea is famous for having a large LGBTQ population, with one of Chelsea's census tracts reporting that 22% of its residents were gay couples. And it is well known for its social diversity and inclusion. 8th Avenue is a center for LGBT-oriented shopping and dining, and from 16th to 22nd Streets, between 9th and 10th Avenues, mid-19th century brick and brownstone townhouses are still occupied, a few even restored to single-family use. I think even more. The McBurney YMCA, the YMCA from the Village People YMCA, stood on 23rd Street, right off 7th Avenue, and the village people stood and raised their arms to the McBurney YMCA in the video for YMCA directly across the street from the window next to me where I am recording this pod. The YMCA sold its home and relocated in 2002 to a new facility on 14th Street, the neighborhood's southern border. Chelsea had the essence of the leather community with the spike in the original Eagle's Nest, and there was a bar in between on 11th Avenue between 20th and 21st Streets, and the immediate blocks around them. Across the street on the south side of 20th Street from the spike was a women's prison. I used to get catcalled by the inmates as I walked past the place on my way into the spike. That was great. One evening, I walked into the spike as it opened, which was 10 p.m., Yep, the spike in the eagle's nest did not open their doors on weeknights until 10 p.m. The spike did host a Devil's Island brunch on Sundays for quite some time, and that in and of itself was quite notable. But I walked in the spike one night right after it opened, and there was one motorcycle parked outside. Whenever I would go, there was usually a very long row of motorcycles parked outside, and that night only one person at the bar. 
I walked into the bar, ordered, was served, and paid for a bottle of Budweiser. The bartender had a dopey grin on his face as he stared directly at that one person who was dressed in leather from his chin to the soles of his feet, who, unprompted, turned to me and snarled with what I swear was a forked tongue and said to me, You're shit. I could have you. I could have you killed. You're shit. And he repeated that and a few variations of that several times. Then matter-of-factly returned to his drink, and I just stood there in shock, because all I wanted was a beer and not abuse. Well, not that early, anyway. Then I realized I had just been viciously cursed out by Elizabeth Taylor's frequent date, the closeted multi-millionaire financial publisher, Malcolm Forbes. Really? In those days, the Chelsea Piers, which were across the street or West Street or Westside Highway, were mostly a darkly lit parking lot for rental cars. West Chelsea itself was largely unoccupied and became a no-man's land for quite a while there, and an open-air gay playground. In the early 1940s, tons of uranium for the Manhattan Project was stored in the Baker and Williams warehouse at 513-519 West 20th Street. The uranium was removed and a decontamination project at the site was completed in the early 1990s. I walked past I walked past that location a number of times. Last week I talked about Fallout Boy and today I am Radioactive Man. Up and at them. I love the Simpsons. On September 17, 2016, there was an explosion outside a building on 23rd Street which injured 29 people. A suspect, Ahmad Khan Rahmani, was captured 2 days later after a gunfight in Linden, New Jersey. The blast occurred a few doors down from where I am recording this podcast, and we walked right past the bomb less than eight minutes before it detonated. Also, last night, somebody left an empty pressure cooker in a package almost in exactly the same location, causing the NYPD to block off the street for about an hour, and uh, there were numerous emergency vehicles. So there is a, a hangover from this. Visions, services for the blind and impaired at Sellis Manor, also in Chelsea, two doors down from where I'm recording. It is also where I vote. It is both a permanent home and transitional living arrangement for people suffering from vision loss. It is not mentioned too much because I think a lot of people are uncomfortable dealing with blind and visually impaired people. It is a moral obligation to assist anyone who asks you to help them across the street or safely board a subway train. I think a lot of people would like to avoid even acknowledging the place. I see and deal with vision impaired people every day. The experience has added dimension to my life and hopefully my understanding of others, I like to think. It is also where the Chelsea bomber dropped one of his bombs, the one we walked past just before detonation. To me, that makes the crime even more despicable. Rotten hell, you bastard. In the late 1990s, New York's visual arts community began a gradual transition away from Soho due to increasing rents and competition from upscale retailers for the large and airy spaces that art galleries require. And the area of West Chelsea between 10th and 11th Avenues and 16th and 28th Streets has become a new global center of contemporary art, home to over 200 art galleries that are home to modern art from both upcoming and established artists. Along with the art galleries, Chelsea is home to the Rubin Museum of Art with a focus on Himalayan art, and it is a kind of cool place to get your zen on. Chelsea is also home to the Graffiti Research Lab and New York Live Arts, a producing and presenting organization of dance and other movement-based arts. Peter McManus Cafe, the one and only, 
a bar and restaurant on 7th Avenue and 19th Street is among the oldest family-owned and operated bars in the city. It has the best burger in the city by far, wins awards and competitions year after year. Don't fall for all of that PR and marketing and ad writing you see on food blogs. There's a lot of money being spent convincing you that a burger at an expensive upscale joint is better than another place. But don't fall for that. McManus is awesome. It also has two wooden phone booths. It is also the Highlander Bar and where Elaine Bennis broke up with Russell Dalrymple. The pick episode of Seinfeld had our former apartment in an establishing shot and the light in our window was on. Therefore, we were home. Therefore, we were on Seinfeld. I know this is a stretch and a slightly unreasonable preoccupation, but I am reminded of it every day, and I am never going to get any closer to anything that cool or snotty. A theater district had formed in the area by 1869, and soon West 23rd Street was the center of American theater, led by Pike's Opera House, built in 1868, demolished in 1960. Chelsea was an early center for the motion picture industry before World War I. Some of Mary Pickford's, America's Sweetheart, first pictures were made on the top floors of an armory building at 221 West 26th Street, while other studios were located on 23rd and 21st Streets. I used to work at 226 West 26th Street. The Irish Repertory Theater is an off-Broadway theatrical company on West 22nd Street producing plays by Irish and Irish-American writers. Joyce Theater located in the former Elgin Theater at 175 8th Avenue, is a 1941 movie house that closed in 1978. The Elgin was completely renovated to create in the Joyce a venue suitable for dance and was reopened in 1982. The kitchen is a performance space at 512 West 19th Street. It was founded in Greenwich Village in 1971 by Steiner and Woody Vasilka, taking its name from the original location, the kitchen of the Mercer Arts Center. The warehouse building at 530 West 27th Street, which was the site of the Sound Factory and Twilo, as well as several other mega clubs in the 1980s and 1990s, was acquired in 2011 by the British theater company Punch Drunk, who converted it into the McKittrick Hotel, a five-story, 100,000-square-foot performance space housing their immersive, site-specific theatrical production Sleep No More. I have yet another intersection right here. These clubs were famous for hosting after hours, which meant that although they were restricted from serving alcohol, people could stay there and enjoy whatever they were in possession of and dance into the morning hours or right up until noon when the clubs closed. I am utterly convinced that the current fascination with zombies was inspired by the sight of people who looked like death warmed over in crumpled soil clothing with sallow, just terrible complexions, awful hair, breath and body odor, slowly shuffling and ambling their way either home or to the legendary Leather Levi Bar Rawhide on the corner of 21st and 8th, which had a liquor license that allowed them to stay open very late at night and reopen very early in the morning. Now, I am no stranger to enjoying late-night festivities, but I do not possess the constitution that could sustain me living that life on a regular basis, and by the looks of most of the revelers, neither did they. But we're all just human. So there I would be, tra-la-la-la-la, and doing chores and shopping for muffins and bagels and picking up a Sunday paper, and I and anyone else could see the zombie army slowly moving towards Rawhide for a nightcap or to even continue the party. Okay, bad idea. 
it was such a vivid scene that it became indelibly attached to my memory, and that means I can't be the only one. Interactive Corp headquarters on 11th Avenue, designed by Frank Geary, is an outstanding piece of architecture. It is the home, among many others, of Match.com, OkCupid, Our Time, Tinder, Angie's List, Handy, Vimeo, Investopedia, Liquor.com, and The Daily Beast. The New York office of Google occupies the full city block between 15th and 16th Streets and from 8th to 9th Avenues. Located in 111 8th Avenue, the building was once Inland Terminal 1 of the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey. I had to pull my brother out of the crossfire of a gunfight between several drug dealers right in front of there on a sunny Sunday afternoon in the early 90s. Also, most payphones in that stretch were commandeered by the drug dealers, so it was really best to walk up a few blocks if you needed to use a payphone. In the days before mobile phones. The Hudson Yards Rail Yard development is located at the northern edge of Chelsea within the Hudson Yards neighborhood. The project's centerpiece is a mixed-use real estate development by related companies. According to its master plan, created by master planner Cohen-Pedersen-Fox Associates, Hudson Yards is expected to consist of 16 skyscrapers containing more than 12,700,000 square feet. And the glare from all that reflective glass is blinding. The Chelsea Piers were the city's primary luxury ocean liner terminal from 1910 until 1935, when the growing size of ships made the complex inadequate. The RMS Titanic was headed to Pier 60 at the piers, and the RMS Carpathia brought survivors to Pier 54 in the complex, which was destroyed in 2018, although ironwork remains. Chelsea Studios, a soundstage on 26th Street, which I used to work at directly across the street from, has been operating since 1914, and numerous movies and television shows have been produced there. The industrialization of Western Chelsea brought immigrant populations from many countries to work in the factories, including a large number of Irish immigrants who dominated work on the Hudson River piers that lined the nearby waterfront and the truck terminals integrated with the freight railroad spur. Chelsea was home to a working class of people called stevedores, who toiled on the docks for all of the shipping that went in and out of New York City. Many of the stevedores were the same Irish people. Many were Spanish, and they enjoyed lobster, which was inexpensive. Chelsea had been home to numerous lobster houses, all of which are now gone except for a relatively recent addition to the Chelsea market. The building I'm sitting in was once home to Francisco Central Vasco, which claimed to be the city's number one lobster house. The General Theological Seminary of the Episcopal Church's college-like close is sometimes called Chelsea Square. It consists of a city block of tree-shaded lawns between 9th and 10th Avenues and West 20th and 21st Streets. The campus is ringed by more than a dozen brick and brownstone buildings in Gothic Revival style. The oldest building on campus dates from 1836, also more Law and Order and Seinfeld locations. You've seen Lenny Briscoe question people of interest there. Elaine lived across the street of 408 West 20th Street. There is also a diner named the Chelsea Square Diner on the corner of 23rd Street and 9th Avenue. London Terrace is an apartment building complex located in Chelsea. It encompasses an entire block of Manhattan's west side, bounded by 9th and 10th Avenues, as well as 23rd and 24th Streets. In December, at the 1932 London Terrace Christmas Party, 
Yankees baseball legend Babe Ruth dressed as Santa Claus and distributed gifts to hundreds of children. Some guests were residents of London Terrace, while others were invited by the Salvation Army. After handing out the gifts, Babe revealed his identity to wild shouts and cheers from the crowd. Babe and his wife thrilled the crowd by signing autographs and visiting apartments. London Terrace is situated very close to the High Line, ugh, and within less than one mile of Penn Station, Chelsea Market, Chelsea Piers, and the Hudson River Park. Notable residents include Chelsea Clinton, journalist, daughter of Bill and Hillary Clinton, Malcolm Gladwell, Canadian journalist, author, public speaker, and thinker, Carla Gugino, actress, Tim Gunn of Project Runway, Bill Hader from Everything Cool, Debbie Harry, singer in the band Blondie and actress, Chris Catan, also from Saturday Night Live, and actress Catherine Keener, Annie Leibowitz, Bridget Moynihan, Kate Pearson of the B-52s, Susan Sontag, and songwriter Tom Verlaine, who was a singer, songwriter, guitarist, pianist, and frontman of television. I've seen Debbie Harry, the long-reigning queen of Chelsea, sorry fellas, she really is, on multiple occasions, just walking around the neighborhood. And Susan Sontag, believe it or not, with John Updike, when I was the manager of the classical music division of the HMV Record Store on 86 and Lex. And I've had a very pleasant conversation with Tim Gunn. But none of these experiences took place at London Terrace. The Hotel Chelsea, also known as the Chelsea Hotel, or simply the Chelsea, is a historic New York City hotel and landmark known primarily for the notability of its residents over the years. The 250-unit hotel is located at 222 West 23rd Street between 7th and 8th Avenues in the neighborhood of Chelsea, Manhattan. The building has been designated a New York City landmark since 1966 and on the National Register of Historic Places since 1977. It has been the home of numerous writers, musicians, artists, and actors. Though the Chelsea no longer accepts new long-term residents, the building is still home to many who lived there before the change in policy. Arthur C. Clarke wrote 2001, A Space Odyssey, while staying at the Chelsea. Arthur Miller wrote a short piece, The Chelsea Effect, describing life at the Chelsea Hotel in the early 1960s. As of August 1, 2011, the hotel stopped taking reservations for guests in order to begin renovations. Although long-time residents were allowed to remain in the building, some of them protected by state rent regulations. As of today, it is still not reopened. Located in the Chelsea Hotel since 1930 is the restaurant El Quixote, which was owned by the same family until 2017 when it was sold to the new owner of the hotel. In late March 2018, the eatery was also closed for renovations. As of today, it is still not reopened. I'm going to be repeating just a few names here for context, so please forgive. The Chelsea has provided home to many famous artists, writers, and thinkers, including Mark Twain, O. Henry, Dylan Thomas, Arthur C. Clarke and Sam Shepard, Arthur Miller, Tennessee Williams, Jack Kerouac, Brendan Behan, Thomas Wolfe, Valerie Solanas, William S. Burroughs, Allen Ginsberg, and Charles R. Jackson, author of The Lost Weekend, committed suicide in his room on September 21, 1968. The hotel has also been home to actors and film directors such as Stanley Kubrick, Mitch Hedberg, Milos Forman, Lily Langtree, Ethan Hawke, Dennis Hopper, Eddie Izzard, Uma Thurman, Elliot Gould, Elaine Stretch, Michael Imperioli, 
Jane Fonda, Russell Brand, and the Warhol film star Viva, and her daughter Gabby Hoffman, along with Edie Sedgwick. Wow, what a place. Much of the Hotel Chelsea's history has been colored by the musicians who have resided or visited there. Some of the most prominent names include The Grateful Dead, Nico, Tom Waits, Patti Smith, Jim Morrison, Iggy Pop, Virgil Thompson, Chick Corea, Jeff Beck, Dee Dee Ramone, Johnny Thunders, Mick DeVille, Marianne Faithful, Cher, John Cale, Edith Piaf, Joni Mitchell, Bob Dylan, Robbie Robertson, Alice Cooper, Bette Midler, Pink Floyd, Jimi Hendrix, Ken Heat, and Rufus Wainwright. Madonna lived at the Chelsea in the early 1980s. Leonard Cohen, who lived in room 424, and Janis Joplin in room 411, had an affair in 1968. And Cohen later wrote two songs about it, Chelsea Hotel and Chelsea Hotel No. 2. Jabriath spent his last years in the pyramid-topped apartment on the Chelsea's rooftop where he died of complications due to AIDS in August 1983. The hotel has featured and collected the work of many visual artists who have passed through. Some of them include Larry Rivers, Christo, Julian Schnabel, Diego Rivera, Robert Crumb, Ellen Cantor, Jasper Johns, Tom Wesselman, Klaas Oldenburg, Willem de Kooning, and Robert Maplethorpe in room 1017 with Patti Smith. Wow! Hotel Chelsea is often associated with the Warhol superstars, as Andy Warhol and Paul Morrissey directed Chelsea Girls, a film about his factory regulars and their lives at the Chelsea Hotel, an American family. An episode of the pioneering reality TV series was mostly filmed at the Chelsea, the beginning of all reality TV. Sid and Nancy was shot there. Nine and a half weeks was shot there. Romeo is Bleeding is shot there. Chelsea Walls was shot there. Chelsea on the Rocks was shot there. Hotel Chelsea, a horror film about a Japanese couple staying at the hotel, was shot there. The hotel is featured in many songs, including Sarah by Bob Dylan, Chelsea Morning by Joni Mitchell, Chelsea Hotel No. 2 by Leonard Cohen, Midnight in Chelsea by Bon Jovi, Streams of Whiskey by The Pogues, Hotel Chelsea Nights by Ryan Adams, and Dear Abby by Kinky Friedman. Wow! Several survivors of the Titanic stayed for some time in this hotel as it was a short distance from the Chelsea Piers. The Chelsea was also home to many sailors returning from their duties in World War I. The Chelsea Hotel is also infamously haunted by a number of ghosts. I know I'm big on the supernatural element of things, but it is an aspect of my life that has been repeated many times, so I acknowledge it. The entire Wayans family is from Chelsea. They're all brilliant. I love Marlon Wayans in particular. The English muffin was invented in Chelsea, and the original oven, which was part of the structural integrity of the building which housed the bakery for Thomas's English muffins, is still intact. The Oreo cookie was invented in Chelsea. Chelsea is America. Thanks for listening. See you next time. And as the kitties say, peace out.